Thank you for joining me today on Word Before We Leave. My name is Brett Gaffney, and I just wanted to introduce uh, the new microphones that we'll be using for this episode. This episode was pretty burn and turn, uh, pretty bare bones, but I just wanted to start getting the ball rolling for new episodes uh, coming quicker than usual because with the new microphones and uniform audio, we can make a Word Before We Leave more accessible and easier to edit on my side. So I'm very excited to show you guys the show. So today I'm talking to Ethan Pate. Ethan is one of my lifelong best friends. I've known him since kindergarten. We share a little bit of the backstory about how we became friends at the age of five. Uh, But really, I just want the show to take care of itself. Now, I've known Ethan for so long, so there's going to be a lot of buddy-buddy kind of talking jokes, you know. At the end of the day, this episode is going to be two white guys and a microphone, so I hope that you're prepared for that. Uh, Overall, though, I think Ethan's got a lot of wise things to say, and I think he's got a very unique perspective when it comes to pop culture and what it's like pursuing a career in that. Uh, He moved to LA, he's my roommate, and this is just one of those episodes that matters a lot to me personally and my friendship with Ethan, and I hope that you guys experience that and experience kind of the joy of having a friend for so long so welcome back to where before we leave and i'm just gonna get the ball rolling uh and if you want to like skip through the ads i'm just gonna tell you now it's probably gonna be like you probably could jump like a minute forward and you'd be safe uh but other than that welcome back and thank you guys for everything that you do and for coming back to word before we leave often uh Ethan at the end of the episode does have to go quickly because like I said it's burn and turn so pardon the interruptions and other than that it's a solid episode welcome back to world before we leave this is Ethan Pate and a man of culture uh welcome back thank you Spotify listeners support for the podcast is now available within our description feel free to click the link and support the podcast in any way. The money that comes to the podcast goes right back into the show, and each episode costs on average 50 to $60. So anything and everything helps. Again, thank you, and now the show. Welcome back to A Word Before We Leave with Brett Gaffney. And Ethan Pate. Uh, hi, I'm Brett Gaffney. That's Ethan Pate. Don't get confused. Welcome back, and let's just get going. Today's word of the day is threshold, brought to you by Merriam-Webster Dictionary, not sponsored, and threshold, T-H-R-E-S-H-O-L-D. A threshold is a piece of wood, metal, or stone that lies across the base of a doorway. In figurative use, threshold refers to a point or level at which something begins or changes. And their example sentence is, as he stepped across the threshold, a chorus of friends yelled, surprise! Now, you come up with a sentence, and then I come up with a sentence, and then we're going to get chit-chatting, okay? As the man poured the pancake batter into the cup, the line slowly rose, and soon it reached its threshold. Ooh! <laughs> that was so goofy. Uh, I had been walking through Arabia for three days. I was hungry, I was cold, I was tired. And then I saw a building, door wide open. As I crossed the threshold into the building, I found a feast awaiting me. I had made it out of the desert. Cheater, you copied. Wait, is that what you said? No, you copied the actual Merriam-Webster, the cross the threshold. 
Well, yeah, but yeah, yeah, but that's like still using it in my own sense. Ooh, uh, I understood the context of it. You understood the context, but then you said, "Hey, can I borrow your homework?" Oh, it, you gotta wake up, Ethan. I gotta wake up. Gotta you wake gotta up. wake up. That's my bad. I, I forgot to wake up. That's okay. Um, we're awake now. I don't know if you guys noticed, but these microphones sound really good. That's because I made the upgrade. Um, They're really crisp. This might be the only time I flex this. Probably not. Well, don't uh, flag it. You still need support for the pod. I do still need support for the pod. Um, if you guys want to support the podcast, there is still the support ad at the start of this episode um, that you might be skipping past, which is fine. Uh, but this is me doubling down and saying, hey, there's a link in the bio. If you like the new upgrade... Feel free to support the podcast. Send us a dollar. Your pennies matter. I, I like them. It's it's nice. I'll use it to just upgrade the podcast more, and then one day we'll have video. He's looking specifically for Georgia 1972. Type A. If you have that penny, I want it. Okay? If you have that quarter, I want it. Okay? That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, Ethan, do you want to give a little background to the audience about who you are? What's what makes you so special? What makes me special? Not a lot, but uh, yeah. So my name's Ethan Pay. Uh, just a, some context on how I am in connection to Brett is I've known Brett for eighteen years. We met each other on the schoolyard. You know, we looked into each other's eyes. You know, we knew we were meant to be. If you, and then if you want to I be got specific, s- it's kindergarten, right? Yeah, yeah. And then. Uh, if we're getting all serious about it, uh, all it really came down to was I was running through the schoolyard and uh, we had these like they were like plastic piping that I, surrounded I, each of like yeah, the I, like slides and all that. So so our our playground equipment was was boxed in um, with pe- tiny little with rock rocks. pebbles. It was like rocks. It was literally like pebble rocks. So you could throw rocks at your buddies and whatnot. So it was like if you fell off the monkey bars, your landing would be um, like On a rocks. Cu- cushioned amount of pebbles and rocks wow cushion i I, I guess i understood it but when you would like run through the rocks it'd be like a crunch 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 and then it was surrounded by these giant black tubes or pipes that were hollow and plastic and they had like metal rhubarb poking out of certain spots and i got uh my belt loop stuck on one of them and i was just like in kindergarten it was kind of too stupid to figure i I just remember i kept on tugging at it it was like waiting for my pants to rip recess was over and ethan fell over one of the blacktops and his belt loop got stuck i don't even think it was your belt loop i thought it was like a frayed part of your jeans like on the knee was it I, that sure. would have been a lot better explanation because the belt loop's easy to like get off so of. i don't like, think it was your belt loop because i remember oh you know what was, it was it was, it was like yeah it was, yeah, it was the bottom of my ankle it was your ankle jeans were frayed and you fell we were like six and you fell and i saw you fall and my instinct was like, oh my god. What a fat the- little kid. No, I mean, <laughs> that's not what I'm thinking. I mean, we're all kind of thinking. We're like, Ethan's got a chubby. Uh, but this is in kindergarten. Ethan's a small boy now. He's like, he's he's slimmed out. He's yeah. he's slim thick. It's not bad. Not bad at all. Not bad. But his jeans got caught on the, on the rhubarb. And everyone was lining up for recess. It was cold. It was like February. And I saw him fall. And I went up to him. And I saw that he couldn't get his jeans unstuck. And I grabbed his jeans, and I just ripped the crap out of it. He grabbed the jeans, and he went, come here, you little sucker, and then just went. Yeah, that's pretty pretty much. And then Ethan looked up at me, and he was like, you saved my life. And then we ran into the elementary school and made it inside before everyone went inside without us. 
I'm sure they wouldn't have. They'd probably be like, what is Brett and Ethan doing? Go grab them. Yeah, Miss Craig was too nice. She wouldn't have done that to us. No, she wouldn't. She They always do like a head count. Before she was a sweetheart. Knows. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Miss Craig. Is she, is she alive? Dude, she was old when we had her. She like, was like 70. That was 20 years ago. I think she, she might be. I don't know her first name. Do you have a yearbook? Uh, no, not, not in here. No. Okay. My mom has all my yearbooks. We we'll have to look up her first name sometime and try to look her up, dude. I, I think we're gonna. Are, I think we know the answer, but chances like, are slim that she's alive. She never got to share her word before she leaves. That's that's a shame. Why? Why you gotta do that, man? Why are you disrespecting the good Crago name? I'm not disrespecting. I'm just saying, like, that's like a, a big topic of the show is like death. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> um. So, Ethan, Kay. what gets you out of bed every day? What gets me out of bed? Uh. Well, I got this cat named Beans, uh, so that for sure gets me out of bed. But most of all, you know, I just want to go out there and try to put m- media into the world. I mean, media is what I enjoy. It, you know, every every bit of my life is always looking to try to find another perspective via media, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a book, whether it's a movie, whether it's a song. There is media everywhere we go, I, and you know I am very guilty of being one of the biggest media consumers I know. Um, but more, I'm not out there to look for media more as it is I am there to learn a different perspective. So what kind of perspectives um, do you normally gravitate towards when it comes to media? And when you say media, you're referring to like film, television, music, art. Um, is there anything like super specific that you choose specific media and Um, then out of that specific media what kind of perspectives feel very ethan to you that's a good question see i know what feels very ethan to me that isn't necessarily what i gravitate towards but it ends up what i am able to relate to when it comes down to it is i am always looking kind of for the best example I have is Eric Foreman of That 70s Show, is that he was just kind of a kid I always related to. Like, it was the kind of nerdy kid, way too into pop culture, is very good at working, maybe not great at school, but, you know, manages to get by at school. You, it, like, nobody's making fun of you for being too stupid, but, like, you know, you're not going out of your way to make sure you get an A++ on everything. Like, it's just not going to happen. Um so those are the characters I end up relating to. But as far as perspectives I'm looking for, I'm never really looking for a perspective. Like, I'm always trying to find the perspective that isn't mine. Like, the best example I have right now is, and give it, I've been slow on reading this, I need to get back onto it, is I'm reading a book called uh, The Incident of the Dog in the Night. And it all comes from the perspective of, I, I'm going to get misquote this because I, I don't factually know that this is actually the perspective. It is what I've taken on as I've read it is that is from the perspective of an autistic, uh, 15 year old. He just lives in his neighborhood. And the beginning of the book basically starts with this kid finding his neighbor's dead dog stabbed with a fork in the middle of the night it is the curious incident of the dog in the night. And through that book, I'm able to see this interesting perspective of something you know, you can hear of, but not necessarily visualize, is this kid basically explains this world through all these different examples. So if he's talking about the dog that got killed in the night, he might manage the different street patterns that happen in his neighborhood and why he thinks that it might be this neighbor. Because 
these different cars come by every day. There's a red, there's a blue, and a yellow one. And the blue one repeats itself twice, and the yellow one repeats itself four times. But today, the yellow one repeated itself six times. So it might be the yellow car. Um, and that's Mr. Henderson or something like that. Like, it's just a very interesting perspective. I would never... My mind doesn't go that way in which it's bringing up 90 different examples to give you one uh, concrete statement, but it works, and it's very fascinating. So you're saying the most Ethan is um, that 70s show. That's like the kind of content you're looking for. And then Uh, for new perspectives, you're looking for things that are opposite (coughs) of kind of like the way you view the world, something that makes you think. Something that – Eric Foreman, I think, is a character that's – just closely resembles me in a lot of aspects um isn't necessarily who i want to be it is just someone i recognize myself as that probably similar is. there's like traits that you connect with yeah like you can look at eric foreman and be like kid probably should just you know do a little more um but also i do see that kid i see the romanticism he has for a just the women in his life but b the pop culture in his life and the friends he has in his life those are the things he romanticizes. I would say those three things I probably romanticize the most, where it is my friends, it is w- women in my life that, you know. Shout out to the ladies. Yeah, shout out to the ladies, obviously. Um, and I romanticize pop culture uh, beyond all belief. Like, sure. you know, there's just, there's a lot of love that comes from multiple aspects, whether you're on Brett's side and it's from the acting side. Yeah. Whether it's on my side and I'm looking, like, uh, you know. We went and watched Killers of the Flower Moon last night, and so long. It, it was a it was a movie you really felt the length. But I had one stick with the movie, and it's something Brett would never see. Like he just he wasn't looking for it, and no reason. Anybody this is spo- I know what he's about to say. This is spoiler free, so you're you're safe. Oh, I, I'm not gonna. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah this is safe. um yeah. So this next part is spoiler free. This is just something I noticed in Killers of the Flower Moon, and you know, you might go into it seeing it now that you've heard this, but. Um, the ADR, which for those that don't know, is the audio that's recorded when someone is not on screen audibly speaking. So, like, if me and Brett are on screen and then Brett steps away for a moment and says, Ethan, can you pass me the salt? You can't see him saying it, but you can hear the audio of him saying it, right? In Killers of the Fire Moon, there are multiple instances of a character is speaking on screen and then you can only see part of the other character's face in it and the other character says something but their face doesn't there are multiple instances of that it's like watching a japanese anime and the mouth doesn't move when voice comes out yes no that's 100 percent it anyway all i'm really trying to get to is that you know there's a lot of romanticism in films and for big films i'm always going to be super critical when there's just very easy fixable things but I'm also going to be very romantic when there are moments on screen that really impact me. Like, it, whether it's just an actor going to the absolute limit, or it's just cinematography or the score colluding together to create this just one very symbiotic picture. It, they're both playing to each other, and the way they play with each other is what makes this romantic picture. But So, growing up, what made you um, just think that, like... Taking in all the culture was something that was very important to you. Yeah. um, My dad was a very heavy, he's a very heavy culture person. Um, He 
first like eight years of my life he was just a forklift driver but you know he was very avid about showing me movies from his childhood as is any dad you know every dad's gonna want to show you their favorites but at some point i think i realized that he what he was showing me was having a profound effect effect on me i wasn't ever thinking about man you know these museums are really cool i guess i could study all these and be this great historian or archaeologist or damn all these buildings are really cool i guess i should become a a building planner like it none of that ever had that effect on me i knew very very quickly that what i was seeing was what i wanted to do with my life i wanted to contribute to that in some capacity whether it's just buying coffee for the director or it's the one making what is on screen happen I knew that I needed to be a part of that reality. And so just from the culture perspective, I would say my dad is the very heavy hand on that. He started with like, you know, Goonies and Star Wars and like all the classic 80s ones. And from there, he just kept on showing me these just more intricate and kind of art housey movies that I think even looking back on it, it's movies that I recognize that only he really liked. And I think that's passed on to me, as my friends will say, that I have a very interesting, unique movie taste. I would say I would say at times your movie taste is is very odd. Yeah. So I, I not and, bad. Not not yeah, yeah. like a bad way. Like I don't agree with all of your movie takes, but I don't hate them. I don't but, I don't like see a movie that you've shown me and been like that was so bad. Why did I waste my time? I always watch it and I'm like, oh, that was interesting. Oh yeah, you want to you want to bet? Well, the hunt is not great. Oh, I was gonna say the one I love. Oh yeah, I hated that. Movie. <laughs> Nothing against the performance. I just thought there were outs that the movie could have took. That I'm not gonna. I, get, I, I I'm can, not gonna get yeah, into yeah. it. I, I can. I can it. understand the outs part, but yeah. there was just a lot of things that it could have gone so many directions, and it went the wrong direction, in my opinion. I'm just one guy. Um, so, Ethan, what did you want to be when you were growing up? I think we're tiptoeing around the answer of that right now. Oh, I, I feel like I was fully saying that of, of like, you know. it. But was there like this, one specific job that you were like, sure, I want to be a part of the movie making and the TV making world. But was there one thing that you were like growing up that you were that your eyes were set on? Um, like, did you want to be a director, a writer, a sound guy? Did you want to be what? part of the movie process yeah. did you want to to do because it's very much a collaborative no effort. no no that, that's fair that's fair uh i think as a kid like growing up starting like five years old when i realized i really did want to be in that scene i think part of me wanted to be an actor but i knew that I was always just way too shy i've always been that kind of level shy and i've tried my hand at acting and it's very fun and if i knew i'm if I know I'm doing it for low stakes, I can just go out there and have a good time. But I, whether it's on a film or just in a live stage production, I know I can't handle that. So I just never really entertain that as being something serious. It's more just something I do on the side uh, if, you know, something fun happens. Yeah, like if I was like, Ethan, I need somebody right now. And yeah, yeah, I have yeah. nobody else. You'd be like, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll improvise being a coffee worker. Like, you know, what, whatever. Uh but then there was like a stint of like six years where I was like, no, you know what, being in entertainment's not realistic. I'm just a kid from Kansas. It's not going to happen. So instead, my mind went to, I'm going to be an astronaut. Uh, and I really, really wanted to be an astronaut or a pilot for about six years. What? Yeah. No. I've known you for 18 years and I'm, well, this uh, is the that, first time that, I'm hearing about that, this. That's because it was the stint from like third grade 
to sixth grade. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, like, that point where... So, there was a point in our lives where we didn't go to the same school, and I moved away, and... Third grade. He moved away in third grade. It broke my heart. Yeah. It was specifically on Brett. I told Brett, I'm moving away because of you. Um, You know, I have all this money. I I told my parents, I want to go live over there. And I said, I don't want to live next to Brett Gaffney. And I was like, I was like, is it because my family's poor? And I said, yes. And he said, yeah. And I was like, well, if you still want to hang out on Saturdays, just let me know. I said, fuck. Fuck no. <laughs> watch your watch your tone. <laughs> um, this episode is unbleeped. Um, they usually are unbleeped anyways, so it doesn't matter. But, uh, yeah, anyway, so moved over to Blue Valley and then went through elementary school or rest of elementary school, wanted to be a pilot or astronaut. And then I got to sixth grade and I met my drama teacher, Angela Thompson or Thomas, and she really just inspired me to fully understand what being on crew would be like uh so one of the first things i did was i did uh lighting for a musical production of charlie and the chocolate factory and just being able to see the intricacy of and and i have a specific scene for reference of the scene where like they're going on that boat and like all the lights are going crazy above them. And like, you know, they think they're like tripping balls and whatnot. I I don't know how you're supposed to interpret that as a kid. Um, I just remember seeing the intricacy and all the different cues that went on that lighting board just to create that one absolutely insane scene. And knowing that like this insane score is going on in the background and you genuinely, you feel like your mind is running races around itself I just remember that really inspiring me. And so then I went on to just try different crew positions in general. So after that, I did stage director for, uh, oh, fuck. I feel like you're going to know what this is. Uh, it's a musical about, like, high schoolers. Uh, Footloose? No. Hairspray? No, it's on that same boat. Uh, fame. That's what it is. Never heard of it. You've never heard of Fame? <laughs> God bless me. Dude, you're like the musical guy. I, I, I'm shocked you haven't I heard actually, of Fame. Now, while I did do musicals in high school, and um, Casey Gardner can attest to this, if you go back to season two, episode two, which would be like episode 12, I think. Um, I, while I participated in the musicals, going into musical theater world... I didn't watch musicals or listen to them at all. And I think because of that, it cost me bigger roles in the shows. Because I would go into it competing against people that knew the show vividly. And they were like, oh my gosh, I know all the roles. I already know all the songs. I don't have to memorize a thing. And I'd be going to it with fresh eyes, fresh ears. And I'd be like, oh no. I don't know how this song goes. I have to memorize how to sing it. And I have to memorize what it sounds like. And I have to figure out who this character is. And I'm only 14. And so I didn't get cast freshman year in any of the musicals. Well, do better. Well, I, I did. Senior year. You I did was a, do better. Senior year, I was a lead. But there you go. high school doesn't matter anymore. So anyway, I, I, all the point of this being is that I just tried all these different crew positions. And eventually in high school, I found a broadcast class that really allowed me to exert my video creativity and really go for editing in every capacity. And just over the past eight years, I've been really trying to work on editing in every past year I can. Right now, um, that has taken the form of distribution. I currently work at this company called Premier Digital. And what we do is basically distribute every single piece of media besides any Netflix media. Well, you're on the Apple team. Yeah, I, I specifically on the 
am on the Apple TV Plus team. However, we distribute, you know, just about everyone. Like, I mean, I've distributed Saw 10. Um, actually, I have to be careful about what I can and can't say on this. So. I, I'll edit that part out. Let's uh, just say you distribute big, big. Yeah, movies. yeah. I, I, I distribute very up and coming stuff and stuff that you maybe haven't heard of but will in three months yeah we guarantee you that the things that ethan is working on um in this very deep distribution post-production phase of film at television is stuff you'll probably see on your tvs or in your movie theaters yeah yeah um did you want to do anything with distribution um like wh- how did this opportunity come about and also um, I guess it's obvious that you live in Los Angeles, uh, yeah. because you're here right now and this is a Los Angeles based show. Uh, but I just wanted to know if you could explain to the people that don't understand the film industry, what is distribution? Yeah. Like, yeah. H- how there's phases that goes into making things like this. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so like basically what me and my company do and give it, I'm not like the owner of company. So me and the people that work in my company, um, we will receive, let's say it is Stranger Things. It, actually, I'm not going to use a Netflix example. Uh, Just say you Let's say it's a, Killers of the Fire Moon, because Killers of the Fire Moon is referenced. something that yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually am working on. So it will come f- to us from Apple TV. They will send us a bunch of emails with a bunch of different specs and all the different formats. And we will com- buy, or compile audio and the video formats together so that they are one. So they will send all of the Japanese audio, all of the English audio, all the French audio, all the blah, 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 all over. And then they will send us the video formats to it. And then we basically splice them so that they're together. And then we also add all the subtitles in and make sure they match the frames that are currently represented on the screen. And then after that, it comes through our fulfillment team in which we make watermarks for the actual movies. So basically we're like laminating video and then we're also uh, transcoding them and making sure that they are indecipherable to anybody that tries to steal these IPs. So if someone posted early footage of some new Spider-Man movie that's coming out, then we could look at that video frame, look at it very specifically and see a watermark on it and track back to whoever leaked that footage to make sure that all IPs are um, represented under their company. So cool. Yeah. Cool. Are you ready for a segment? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So this is word story. What we're going to do is we're going to improv a little scene. I'm going to, and the goal is we will bring the podcast to a new place. A problem will present itself and then we have to solve the problem. And it's just takes place with you and me recording this episode right now. That makes sense. Um, so Ethan, where are we? France. Where are we in France? Paris, on the lock bridge. So we're on the lock bridge. Uh, Ethan and I are on the lock bridge in Paris, France. And Ethan is just breathing in the Paris smog. He seems... He seems ill. And... Hey, Ethan. Ethan, how's how's your jet lag? I'm a little worn out. Uh, I really thought this coffee and cigs were going to help. I mean, this is like the national breakfast, and like all these people, they're doing great. Meanwhile, I'm just sluggish over here. I think it's because you haven't had the croissant. Wait, is that a part of it? I, I feel like you have to have like a little bit of pastry. Yeah, but everyone told me that the famous French breakfast is coffee and cigarettes. Coffee, specifically, cigarettes, croissant. 
Specifically, Newport Ice. <laughs> oh, oh, the menthol. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, what do you, what do you want to do today here in Paris, France? I mean, what I really wanted to do was solidify our love by putting a lock on this bridge. Okay. Okay. Did you bring a lock? I didn't. You didn't bring a lock. No, so I was hoping that you would come with me to a hardware store, but I want you to know that I don't... you're not supposed to know about the lock. I was supposed to surprise you. Oh. What the... Okay. Do you know any French hardware stores in the area? Like, this is a pretty congested area of Paris. I'm seeing boats. Everyone else has locks around us. And I'm just finding out that you love me. What do you mean? You've never said it. I've always said I loved you. Oh. I mean, I, have, I, I, I always I, come I, up I, behind you and give you a belly rub, and I go, you're my special little boy. You're my special little it, boy. I guess that is how it goes. That's exactly how it goes. I I love you, too. But you didn't bring the lock? Well, okay, so you know how there's Ace Hardware back in the U.S.? Yeah. See, they have Weiss Hardware. Weiss Hardware. Yeah. We. Yeah. Okay, so let's go find one of these Weiss Hardwares. Yeah. Let's just start uh, going on a stroll, and we'll come back to the bridge, and I can't believe... Oh shit, we're at Weiss. <laughs> we made it. We made it to the hardware store. Wait, even... They're not open. What do you mean they're not open? The, the sign says open from 9 to 10. Oh, but it's Sunday. Open to 9 to 10, and on Sundays they're closed. <sighs> so... Yikes. I guess we should get a plane ticket back. I mean, this is like really the only reason I came here. Well, I got an idea. Here's this brick. Oh, you're saying we break in? We're breaking in. Let's oh, break in. Oh, sick. All right, all right. I love being an all right, international all right, criminal. I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna throw this at the at the window. Wait, I already. I thought you threw the brick at the window. You're throwing another brick at a broken window. I mean, it did break the first. It did break the first time. It did break the first time. Now you're just causing extra time. noise. Okay, okay. And we don't need all this extra noise. We gotta we need to go get we out get, of here. Get, we have to get in and get the lock first. Get the lock. Get the lock. Get okay, the lock. So we're going in. Um, do you know where it is? I can't see it on any of the shelves. I'm, well, I'm fuck. There's two brands. Um, um, choose the French one. We locksmith. <laughs> we okay, okay, okay. We got the wheel locksmith. We got the wheel locksmith. We got the wheel locksmith. Okay, okay. Um, I hear sirens. Do do cops in Paris have guns? No, they have baguettes. They just beat the living shit out of you. Some stale baguettes. They go. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, we got it. We got to get out of here. So we're running. We're running back to the bridge. It seems like there's some cops behind us. They got ba- they got baguettes. They got the baguettes, Ethan. What are uh-oh. we gonna do? Uh oh. Uh oh. They just put some. They put some roasted garlic on them. Thankfully, though, we have these microphones just like tethered to our bodies so that we can record this crispy podcast audio mid mid uh, stealing the wee locksmith. <laughs> we just gotta make it back to the bridge so we can put it well, on. We the- we just need this needs to go out Bonnie and Clyde style. So like the bridge is falling apart on the other end. We need to attach a lock and then jump off the bridge into the six foot river. What happened to the bridge? Why is it falling apart? What do you mean? It's Bonnie and Clyde. It's Bonnie and Clyde style. You know, us arriving to Paris, we're either the problem or solving that problem. 
So, Ethan. This is called the French Revolution, baby. Okay, so we got four cops behind us. We have the All bridge, baguettes. All baguettes. The bridge in front of us that we were on originally that was structurally sound is now collapsing. Well, it's a really old bridge. It's now collapsing. You got to think about all... how many people have put locks on there because all the, all locks. the locks are weighing down the bridge and therefore the bridge is falling down. I guess I guess just from like simple erosion, this is the day it collapses. I mean, yeah, it, it was just a matter of coincidence. But with one more lock, our lock, if we clip it on the right piece of metal as it's collapsing, we can do this. See, hold on. So, Ethan, so here's what I'm, I'm going to throw you. We clip it, and then it just goes... <laughs> just falls into the river. I'm going to throw you across the other side, and then we're going to lock it together. So I'm going to throw you like a football, like a little baby boy. Okay. I think he wants to hurt. Brace, brace for impact. <laughs> It's a perfect click. Oh, the baguettes, they're hitting me. Oh, oh. Brett, no. Brett, no. (laughs) Brett, I have to get out of here. Oh, Ethan, just just tell my family I love them. I I don't have their phone number anymore. I deleted them after a week. No. (laughs) And we're back to the podcast. The problem has been solved. Welcome back to Word Before We Leave. I hope you enjoyed that little goofy bit. Hey, thanks for buying the plane ticket to Paris. I bought that? Yeah. Dude. Hey, support the pod. Support the pod. Hey, support the pod. I'm paying for our Paris plane tickets so we can do the podcast in Paris. <laughs> We're in Los Angeles now. We're back. So I, I, like to, um, I like to structure the podcast kind of... Uh, the questions will get a little deeper and a little uh, more personal as the show goes on. So what... Coming to LA, what has been um, one thing that's just been on the back of your mind as you've arrived here and as you're starting to settle in? I mean, I can give you a serious answer and a non-serious answer. The non-serious one's popping up in my mind immediately, but uh, one thing that's been in the back of my mind is, God, I wish I moved here like, you know, like maybe like five months from now. Not because I haven't loved every single moment with you guys. I have loved every single moment with you and the rest of our roommates. It's, I wish I didn't come during a, the one of the biggest fucking entertainment strikes to ever exist. Yeah. Like, it, what a horrible time to come. Like, just absolutely couldn't have picked a worse time. Not easy on anybody. I'm not, no, no, like, no, no. I'm no. not going to paint it like it's pretty. It's no. Been, it's been hard on me. It's I been mean, hard on... Yeah, the first month I was here, I was jobless. Like, yeah, I, I literally just spent a month on LinkedIn. That was my nine to five every yeah. day. And I mean, from just from the acting standpoint, the auditions have been slim to none. Uh, whereas prior to the strike, I was actually auditioning like two to four times a week. You mm-hmm. know, which is like grateful, super grateful for that phase of my life. Yeah, uh, I would love for it to happen again. Um, but for you, uh, what what What's been the hard part about the strike and about um, you learning what the entertainment industry is like as you've been on your way? And what what are your current thoughts on Los Angeles? Uh, I mean, the hardest parts of the strike is just knowing that... Because it's you're not technically on strike. It's, no, it's, no, no, no. It's the I, actors like, yeah, and the writers, it, but it, it affects everybody. Like technically, I work in the entertainment industry, but my aspect of the industry is not on strike. We are just putting out all the things that have been on the back burner. Like, yeah, the, it, like wait, we're. I, I don't want to uh, sound egotistical, but like technically, my company is one of the only reasons you are currently seeing new stuff every week. Like, and that's just a matter of fact. It's just. 
we're the people putting it out and you know we're just grabbing whatever they have and putting it out there and Everything sometimes at the bottom of the barrel yeah it, it, i mean sometimes assets will sit at our company for like six months or something like that and we'll just have it there for whenever it is ready to you know go out there um so like you know that's been a hard aspect but it's also been a learning aspect too because i'm seeing how far ahead some people are seeing stuff and like even before that i know that i am the last step on the ladder for stuff going out there let alone everybody else that has come before me to create this one giant project it, let's just say killers of the fire moon for example like that has probably been in production for the past three years and only now is it just getting to theaters even then i've been working on it for the past month and a half like you know it just it takes a lot of steps so that's really cool to see but you know it's obviously frustrating knowing that all the stuff i'm currently working on is the back end of stuff and I want to see the freshest and the brightest, I guess, is really all I'm trying to say. I, I want to see the new Blade Runner. I want to see the new uh, Godfather, the new, uh, you know, w- whatever. You want to see the next big thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, like, how has this affected you personally? Affected me personally? Um, I mean, obviously, it's disheartening in the sense that it was tough to find a job for the first month I was here. Like, genuinely, I, as I said, it was just... It was just being jobless for a month and not knowing what I'm going to do for my next paycheck. Like, and, you know, I took a job at Chipotle. They were very nice and it took care of me for the month that they did. Thank you to them, but whatnot. But I mean, you know, I need a realistic paycheck and I need something that I know that I can work on as a career, not something that is only paying $3 above minimum wage. Like, you know, we need to step up as entertainment creators. Yeah. Yeah. So... Looking towards, um, like, do you have any game plan for what you're going to do after the strike? Um, yeah, uh, for the most part, I'm just going to try my hand on getting any production assistant experience I can. Because I work uh, 1 to 9 during the weekdays, so obviously a lot of my week I can't really do a whole lot. But if I can find a Saturday-Sunday production that I can work on at least once a month, then that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, I mean... They're out there, definitely. Yeah, just gotta go to backstage or yeah. Um, like, there's definitely jobs like that out there. I I totally think that that could be a possibility. So, what is a word of advice you would give to somebody that is kind of in the middle of like maybe a job hunt? Um, Ooh. and you can maybe go detail or you can go. Broad. Yeah, no, no, I I actually could speak a lot to this. Uh, just as someone who just spent an entire month doing it, is that uh, a. Well, this isn't the most sound advice necessarily. There are ways to lie on your resume. You don't need to full-on write a full-blown fiction novel with a different character that isn't you. But play to your strengths and maybe overemphasize them. Because often that will at least get your foot in the door as far as what they're looking at resumes for. Because nowadays it's not you just hand your resume in and they'll eventually look at it. It goes through a system. It goes through an AI that says... This guy has skills that we need, and this has skills that we don't need, and this resume is more qualified than this resume. We don't have that. There's no human element up until they finally get it through that process. So just lie a bit. Just uh, just a tiny bit. Nothing. A fudge. It's like a nice little yeah, fudge. Yeah, like seriously, nothing. Stretch the truth. Like if someone asked you if you got a haircut, and you're like, yeah, maybe you didn't. Maybe you just look really good that day. But you know what? The lie helps, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, that would be advice number one. But advice number two is that really interviews are not the thing you need to stress about. 
I remember the first interview being really stressed out about it, like three days in advance. And like, just by the time I got to it, I was just kind of so overwhelmed by overthinking all the questions they could ask me that I didn't even think about what they actually were asking me in the moment. So then from then on, I just kind of took interviews as, as though I was interviewing them. Like, as though, like... You I were was, trying to find the value in the company. Yeah, like, exactly. What does this bring it, me, like, not because, what do I bring you? Because the first job I took out here ended up kind of being a scam. It was... I was told it was a marketing job, and really what it was was a sales job and a really shitty sales job at that, where you would just panhandle people in malls and grocery stores trying to buy cable. We all know them. Yeah. It, like, it, if you lived in L.A., you've probably seen them. They've probably asked you if uh, how much is your internet each month. It's just, it's a scam. It wasn't great. So from then on, I realized I need to start looking for companies that are going to provide me value. And really, I feel like that worked out in the weirdest way possible because this company that I'm currently working for, I told both the interviews, I don't think I'm qualified for this position. And somehow it's been one of the greatest jobs I've ever had in my life. Like, I still don't understand how you got the job when you were like, I told I'm not both your guy. of them. You were like, I'm not your guy. I've literally told both of them, I don't have any experience in transcoding and computer coding or anything, but if you want to teach me, go ahead. And they're like, yeah, you got a story to tell. And I'm like, okay, cool. I um, mean, it, it got you the job. You were, but, you were like brutally honest. But yeah, so it really, like, that's the advice is you need to be brutally honest, but also know that you have value and that companies aren't looking to – I mean they are. They are looking to add value to their company. But you need to also understand that you have leverage yeah, and you can negotiate a little bit. It, not insane, but enough that you're going to be working at a job that you don't hate. That's true. Yeah. Ethan, tell me your favorite story. My favorite story? About living in L.A. Oh, <laughs> I was about to go wealth, fame, power. Um, Pardon the cough. Ethan is getting over a cold. Uh, I was also sick. Do you have a charger in here? Yeah, it's just right next to you. Um, but just to preface for the listener while Ethan plugs his phone in, uh, there's been some kind of like sickness going around. So if I'm a little sniffly, Ethan's a little <coughs> coffee. It's just we're both getting over a little bit of a cold. We've yeah. been... It's been you know, a week. We're uh, we're almost through it. Yeah, I'm almost through it. Ha- Brett's basically through it. It's a Halloween season. I still wake up with a little bit of a sore throat, but I'm not dying. I have, mine's mostly mucus at this point. Mine's like, mine's all been sinuses. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's been terrible. Um, but it's seasonal weather. Um, go get your flu shot, guys. Go get your COVID vaccine. Uh, and, Hit up your uh, local Walgreens. Go to Walgreens or CVS. And uh, yeah, Ethan. Favorite story about living in LA so far? It can be funny, bad. I just know you're a good storyteller, so I'm just giving you the floor. Uh, feel free to oh. feel free to expose yourself. Hmm, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Because like I, like story number one I want to tell is literally just my first sight in LA, which I've said to you multiple times. Is the second I got to LA, you know, I obviously drove through LA for like two hours because it, it's impossible to get to LA and be exactly where you need like without just driving for two hours in between. Um, but the second I got off the highway, I turned right and was on La Brea, uh, a local city street in LA. If you're LA, you know, people know La Brea. Yeah. yeah. If you, if it's, you know actually, the area, you know the area. La Brea is like, big. It's right off the 10. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I get off the road and I'm listening to Fox on the run by, oh, I think it's Sting. I, I, I could be wrong on that. Um, 
and the course is going, and I'm at the stoplight, I'm at the front of the stoplight, and meanwhile, there's this homeless man, and he is just already dancing, and I have my windows down, and Fox of the Run is just starting to blare, and this dude starts really just starting grooving across the crosswalk to it, and then he comes up to my car, and he tried to get me to dance, and I went, no, I'm all good, and just walked back, closed my window, walked back inside, or... I didn't walk back and drove drove on to my house and that was it and that was my first introduction to LA. But as far as favorite story, because uh, there's been fun shit. Uh, LA's fun. It's a fun town. It's a scary town. It's dirty. Well, filthy, see, like, gross, I, like, but I it's to... also magical and you see both sides of humanity on the same street. Well, yeah, like I went to Ralph's uh, like two or three weeks ago and I was Ralph's like, is the grocery store. Yeah. I, I was looking at like through the fruit or something like that. And some guy in a scooter tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, Hey, can you move? And I went, Oh yeah. Cause I, I wear earphones in the store. Uh, and then he starts driving by and I realized the reason he asked me to move was because his entire iguana was taking up the basket of the scooter and he didn't want his iguana to like jump on somebody. And me and this chick were just both there, and we were like, what the fuck was that? And we are like, I, I don't know. Like, why are you bringing a fucking iguana to Ralph's? Like, That's crazy. I didn't know that. that. Yeah, uh, but, like, oh, I'm trying to think of something, like, really intricate. I don't know that I have, like, this intricate story. Like, I'm thinking of me and you and Diego filming at the tunnel and, like, just, like, that being kind of fun. Um, uh... If you don't have one, you don't have one. That's okay. I, I think I'm going to go with the iguana story. Hey, like, I, like, you, it's you just kind of give us a bonus of two. It's very weird. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay, Ethan. Another segment, and then we'll move to the final questions, and that will be that. Okay. This is wordplay. Classic. A word before we leave. Oh, fuck. Game. Is this one? It's Uh-oh. my favorite. Uh-oh. It's also the best. I've listened to this one. I just say this one scares me. So... Uh, I'm going to count us down from three. You're going to say a word. I'm going to say a word at the same time. And our goal is to get to the same word. Super simple concept. Nothing in the room. No repeats. Try to avoid names. If it gets to names, that's fine. Okay. But try to avoid names if you can. Okay. Random word. Nothing in the room. Nothing nothing we've said before as we go through the game. So try not to repeat. Like if you say lion and then I say lion like five steps later, it doesn't count. Tiger. No. Okay. Um, I'm thinking of a word. I got a word. Do you have a word? I have a word. Three, two, one. Egg. Sassafras. Really? Sassafras? Sassafras. That was and a street in Lawrence. Egg. Okay. I got it. Okay. Three, Three two, two, one. Mustache. Fuck. Oh. Did you say syrup? Yeah. Sassafras, syrup, egg. Oh, okay. So you're going, okay. I need I'm to trying get, to I need them. get back on the food train. Then. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I try not to talk too much about it. Okay. okay. Um, so it was uh, mustache and sassafras. And then egg and syrup. Well, forget those. Oh. It just re- restarts every round. Oh, okay. Okay. Mustache and sassafras. That's what we base it off of. I got it. Wait, hold on. You mixed the two rounds. I was just, I was saying, I, I, I figured out my answer from egg and yeah, and but sassafras. Said, okay, okay. Sassafras and egg led me to say syrup. Okay. But now we're on syrup and mustache. Forget the first round. Gotcha. Got it. Three, two, one. Coffee. Wax. Fuck. Wax and wax. coffee. 
wax, and coffee. I got a word. I feel like I'm going to end up naming something completely. Okay, let's go. Three, two, one. Creamer. Chocolate. Fuck, we're close. We're Chocolate close. and creamer. Oh, yeah, easy. Is it? I got it. You got it? I have something. Chocolate but... and creamer. Think about it. I hope we're on the same page. Three, two, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, three, two, one. Hot Mocha. Chocolate. Oh, oh, wait, no, we're on the... Dude, Mocha. that is the exact same. No, but it's gotta be the same word. It's gotta be the same word. It doesn't count. I can't um, think of a way to put it in one word. Mocha and hot chocolate, a.k.a. hot cocoa. Uh, mocha and hot chocolate. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I got a word. I got a word. I mean, I have a word. I feel like I'm straying too far off the path. Don't worry about it. Okay. Three, two, one. Cafe. Tea. Fuck, dude, we're on the same path. It's just cafe and tea. Let's come on, we're we're on a roll. Cafe and tea. I got it. Okay, I got it. Three, three, two, one. Croissant. Coffee. You can't repeat. I oh, said you coffee. said coffee. Okay, sorry. I'll, we'll we'll go back. Okay. Cafe and tea. No croissant or coffee. Okay. Uh, I got it. Cafe and tea. Three, two, one. Croissant. Espresso. I said no croissant. You can't repeat. Oh, yeah, I did. Re- now nah, that that was my bad. I, I, uh, okay. Okay. Uh, so going back again, no espresso, no croissant for the third time, and yeah, yeah. and no coffee. Um, we're on cafe and tea. I got it. I got it. Three, two, one. Table. Cookie, cookie, and table. Uh. I got it. Three, two, one. Chair. Dessert. Dessert and chair. Dessert and chair. I got something. I don't know if it's going to be what you're saying, thinking, but I got something. Do you got something? I do. Okay. Three, two, one. Full. Vinyl. Full and vinyl. Sorry, I'm thinking coffee shop vibes. Like uh, uh, Full and vinyl. What is full? Like I'm full. Oh, I th- I'm trying to think of like nouns, like full and vinyl. It's just words. It doesn't matter. That is, that is just words. It is a word. But... Um, full and vinyl. Full and vinyl. Uh, hey, we gotta wrap this up. Okay, you gotta get the word. Dude, I, I've never been good at this. Fuck. Uh, full and vinyl. Full and vinyl. Okay, speed round. Three, two, one. Stomach. Music. Music and stomach. Okay. Music and stomach. Three, two, one. Growl. Growl an album. Three, two, one. Um, Rock. Rock and cup. Yep. Three, two, one. Stone. Stone and mug. Three, two, one. Ceramic. Ceramic and mineral. Uh, Three, two, one. Pottery. Granite Granite and pottery. Three, two, one. Vase. Plate and vase. Three, two, one. Furniture. Furniture and spoon. Three, two, one. Fork. Oh, okay. Okay, final question, because Ethan's got to go. Yeah, I do got to go. Ethan, one question, and then the final question. What would you say to 80-year-old... 80-year-old me? Uh... If you haven't been to Australia and pet a quokka... What the fuck are you doing with your life? You should have done this like 40 years ago, dude. What's a quokka? You don't know what a quokka is? No. Are you serious? What's a quokka? 
to they're literally it, this is the cutest animal of all time it's not my favorite animal red pandas are my favorite animal of all time but i need to pet one of these by the time i die that's really what you'd say to your 80 year old absolutely that's amazing oh he's like a little gerbil boy like uh here's one in chris hemsworth that's amazing I, I need to pet one of these before I die. I need to go to Australia or New Zealand and go to one of these zoos because it, the great thing about these animals is that they're so accustomed to humans that they want you to pick them up. Like, it, it's like a legit thing. It's not like one of these, like, wild animals where they just look cute and they're actually, like, fucking assholes. Like koalas. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. This is legitimately, that is the stuffed animal you've been looking for all your life, is that. He just wants love. I Dude, they do. And they go, Woo! That's amazing. <laughs> They're the best. I, I need to pick up a quote by the end of my life. Okay, I'm gonna get a bonus question in because I think I have time. Yep. Um, Ethan, when it when it comes to culture and media, uh obviously a big thing in your life. Yep. What what would you say to your favorite creator and uh what do you wish you could do to implement the thing you'd say to them in your own life? What would you say to your favorite creator and how would you implement your own advice in your own life? Well, my favorite creators have always managed to branch out. They've always managed to make genres within genres. So the best examples I can think of are The Doors. It's Ichiro Oda with One Piece. It is uh, fucking Tyler the Creator with all of his different sprouts of just genre bending it is cowboy bebop which is literally a genre bender in itself like that is what it is and so my thing has always been go try a different genre and try a different perspective and try these different archetypes and stereotypes and see what you can make out of it creating its own story like it could be a whole movie about philly cheesesteaks and i want it to be a western about philly cheesesteaks because that sounds awesome and i i would just say keep on trying to bend genres see you know, genres kind of in a weird way are like a math equation. They have certain properties about them, and if you add them to another thing, it will create a different value. It, you know, kind of like you mixing red and blue. You will get purple. It's just a fact. I want to see more genre bending, but... Mm, this episode of the podcast is kind of genre bending because usually I ask people, like, what's the secret to the universe in life? And, you know, like what makes you sad but for this one it's like I've, I've known you for so long and it's like it's kind of cheating to interview you because yeah it is it is because i know your answers but also at the same time it's like because of that we can have like just the most natural conversation exactly um ethan would you care to share a word before we leave and that's more on the topic of like what do you want to say to the world before you die oh fuck i, I thought it was just a word i was gonna say beans but, nope uh... nope i'm not letting you get away with that one other people, I'd be like, sure, I'll let you have the cop-out answer. But since I know you so well, no way. I know, but you know me so well that I, I always and that's why the it's such. Answers. I know, so cop-out answer's not allowed on this one. That's uh, the only rule. Okay. Uh... What do you want to say to the world before you die? Pick the most intimidating piece of media and go after that. Something I want to go after is Moby Dick. That is an intimidating piece of media, in my opinion. I would say the most intimidating pieces of media usually have the best outcomes or the best lessons. And that is all. Hell yeah. Heaven, yeah. Why did we say hell yeah? 
Why don't we say heaven? Yeah, I'm, I'm pro God. Oh, heaven! Yeah, like a, we got a my brothers in Christ. Heaven! Yeah, yeah, it's bold. I actually really like that. Thank you, Ethan. Yeah. Uh, this has been Brett Gaffney and Ethan Pate, and you are uh, joining us for a word before we leave, and you have joined us. Thank you for listening to Ethan's stories, his culture, his loves, his passions, and his word before he leaves. And uh, maybe you too can go watch something that is daunting. Intimidating. Intimidating. Something that intimidates you. And give it your full attention. This has been A Word Before We Leave. See you next time. Uh, I, was gonna... I gotta close the door. I gotta close the door. That's just how it goes. Oh, uh, I was gonna joke. Oh, okay, now I gotta actually leave. <laughs> Good. Um. <laughs>